the first Corinthians, the, the, the second chapter. So again, that was my disclaimer. I'm not talking to you individually as much as I am preaching the word of God. Now, the Holy Spirit will talk to you individually. Amen. The Holy Spirit will bring a word that fits your life. Amen. Perfectly. First Corinthians, the second chapter, verse number one. Now, again, uh, as you guys know, uh, we, this is Paul writing this letter to the church at Corinth. And we know that Corinth was a metropolitan city, a city where uh, it was it was it was overflowing in economic prosperity. And there was a diverse group of people here in Corinth uh, from different parts of the world at this time. And but not only was there a diverse group of people here, but there was a diverse uh, dichotomy of sin that was happening in the culture and not only in the culture, but that 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 dichotomy of sin was happening in the church, too. Uh, we know that in Corinth was the temple of Aphrodite. I told you on the last couple of Sundays in the temple of Aphrodite, they had temple prostitutes where a part of the worship service was having sex with, with temple prostitutes. And that and, and out of that decadent culture was birthed the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the culture was awash in sexual sin. Are y'all listening to me? I said the culture was awash in sexual sin, sexual immorality, but the church was also caught up in the very same thing that the culture was doing. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this to you, and I hope you hear me. I love every last one of you with all, all the fiber and the being within me. Listen, you cannot properly serve God and do the same thing that the world is doing. You are actually fooling yourself if you think you are okay with God and living the same way the culture lives. And that's what was happening in Corinth, amen. There was division in the church. Christians were suing each other, amen. Worship services were out of order. Disagreements about proper clothing to be worn was going on. Disagreements about what food to eat what was happening. Sin was running rampant in the church. Everybody say it was a scandalous situation. But here we're going to see something. Paul is writing to address what was happening in Corinth. And, and, and again, sin was running rampant in the culture, but the sad commentary was that it had crept into the church and nobody seemed to want to address the issue. Nobody seemed to want to talk about the sin that was going on in the church. Nobody want to step up and say that is wrong. And anytime you're a, a part of a community of believers, as I've told you before, we have a responsibility to, to be there to guide and encourage and to correct those who are in community with us, those who are in authentic community with us. So in 1 Corinthians, the Second chapter, we move into a section of this scripture, uh, of, this, of this teaching that, that I think is critically important for us to understand. You should have your sermon note outlined before you, and we're going to walk through some of these things right quick. But again, sin is running rampant. Throughout the Bible, guys, there are three inescapable principles that, that the Bible teaches us concerning sin. And just, uh, j just make a note of these. This, these are not on your outline, but I've shared these with you before, okay? Number one, here are three principles that do not forget this. Because if you forget it, you're going to think you slick enough to outslick God. Number one, sin 
will take you farther than you want it to go. Let me say it again. Sin will take you farther than you want it to go. Number two, sin will keep you longer than you want it to stay. First of all, sin will take you farther than you want it to go. Because how, how many of y'all know some of y'all got, dipped your toe into sin and you thought you could just play with it for a little while and next thing you know you find yourself on the street corner amen, selling your body to get some drugs. Next thing you know, you, you, you dipped yourself into it and then all of a sudden you find yourself far out there. You dipped, your, you dipped yourself into financial irresponsibility. Next thing you know, they're coming to lock the house up and move you out. Sin will, first of all, what did I say? Number one will do what? Take you farther than you want it to go. I don't care how pleasurable it looks. I don't care how enticing the enemy makes it seem. Sin will take you farther than you want it to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want it to stay. And third, sin will cost you more than you want it to pay. Sin will cost you more than you want it to pay. Can we repeat that? In, in unison, sin, number one, will do what? Take you farther than you want it to go. Number two, will do what? Keep you longer than you want to stay. And number three, what? Sin will cost you more than you want it to pay. Book it. Write it down. Keep it in front of your eyes. That those principles are true. Now look at the text here in 1 Corinthians chapter number two. And we said on last week, and we didn't get to this first point here. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand God's word. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand God's word. 1 Corinthians chapter number two, verse number one. Can we start there right quick? Let's go. Paul says, When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. He says, for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Now, remember, guys, remember from last week, we said that, that the Corinthian believers were lining up behind individual preachers. And because of their style and because of where they were from and because of how they delivered the message, they began to, to, to have little clicks in the church based on who they were following. Some said, I'm, I'm a follower of Apollo. Some says Cephas or Paul, uh, uh, which, is, which is Peter. Or some said, I'm a follower of Paul. And some said, I don't, I don't follow anybody. I'm, I'm just go with Jesus Christ. So they, they lined up to follow individuals. But Paul said this. He says, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5, I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in what? He says, I, 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 don't, want you to, I don't want you to trust in my intellect and my ability to rhyme it and dime it and my ability to, to give a good speech. Because there are a lot of preachers giving good speeches. But I want I, if I were you, I want to be connected with a preacher who will go and, and, and break down the word of God, share with me what God's word says, give me some dynamic expository preaching. Preach to me what the word says, not some opinion and not what some self-help book says. All those things have their, their place, but we as a body of believers have to have word to help transform our lives. 
So, so look, look with me. See, I did it so you would trust, not in humorism, but in the power of God. Verse number six, let's read. Yet when I'm among mature believers, watch what Paul says. Yet when I'm a, among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon what? Forgotten. Verse number seven says what? No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. Eight, nine and ten. Let's go. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. Nine and ten. That is what the scriptures mean when they say no eye has seen, no ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Ten. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit for his spirit searches out everything and shows us what God's deep secrets. Now, let's let's see if we can unpack some things here and help us to get some understanding, because, again, we're looking at we're taking an inside look at the Corinthian church. Now, again, I told you that, uh, you know, one, one, one thought I want you to keep in mind as we go through this book is is the thought that we have on the front front of your out on your sermon notes is the church is too important. What do you say? The church is too important to do what? Uh, come on, y'all. Y'all can read. The church is what? Too important to ignore problems that need fixing. Let's say it again. The church is too important to ignore problems that need fixing. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all are connected in relationship with somebody where you know there's some problems in that relationship that need to be fixed? Let me see your hands. What, okay, whether it's church relationship, whether it's family relationship, whether it's uh, employment relationships, how many of y'all are connected in some type of relationship where you know there's a problem that needs to be fixed, but nobody is, is strategizing how to fix the problem? Anybody? I know it happens in the church. How many of y'all have friends who are indulging in things and, and, and there's some problematic situations going on, but you are afraid to talk to that friend about what you see. You're afraid to, to, to share with them what you were taught in your Bible study class. You're afraid to share the unadulterated word of God with them because you think it's going to break the fellowship. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. This happens in the church, and the church is too important to ignore problems that need fixing. So that means that if, if it's too important to ignore it, that means that we got to start to address those things. And, and, and guys, when we address those things, when we are spiritually mature, we know how to, uh, to receive, amen, biblical instruction and correction. So, so let's, let's go down a little bit further. So we said the Holy Spirit helps understand God's word. It helps us to understand God's word. What Paul says here is that, is that we cannot have revelation knowledge without the Holy Spirit opening it up to us. Uh, the Corinthian believers were not equipped to discover God's wisdom on their own. They needed help in understanding God's word. Paul said the Holy Spirit is our divine teacher. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the wisdom. Let's go to verse 11 right quick. Verse 11 of the second chapter. He says, no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thoughts Except God's own spirit. Now watch this real quickly. Read it out loud with me on purpose. Everybody just read. Let's go. Come on. No one 
can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. All right, now I'm sitting here right here it, standing in this middle aisle. All right, I'm coming down this middle aisle. Right now, Danny is pulling his coat off. Danny has his uh, a little device with scripture on it already open. Danny is looking like he's getting ready to get into this word and get some understanding. But you know what, guys? None of us in here really know what Danny is thinking. Now, he looks like he's ready for the word. I believe he's ready for the word. But I don't know if Danny's ready for the word. Danny may be sitting here thinking, you know what, I'm going I'm, I'm to I'm I'm handle Constant when she get home. Because, uh, you know, she, she, she's, been, she's been getting out of hand and, 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 and it's, it's been going all week. I came up here and sang. I led the choir. And, and I looked at her. She looked at me crazy because we had an argument last week. And, and, and when pastor get through this sermon, we're going home, we're going to have it out. He could be thinking that. You're not, are you, Danny? No, no, no. Oh, okay, okay. I just, 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 want, just want to know. I don't know what he's thinking. Here's Patrice Phelps sitting right here. I don't know what Patrice is thinking. Patrice may be thinking that, hey, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. And I thank God that I'm here in this place because God has allowed me, amen, to overcome some difficulties with my health, and I'm standing here right now, and I'm blessed to be here. She says, exactly. That's what she's thinking, all right? Somebody else might be over here saying, uh, 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 I wonder who that is on that first row. Ooh, wish she look good. Is that that lady that, 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 that make those desserts? They call desserts by Queenie. Um, she's sure looking good over with those glasses on. I wonder if she's single. You know, I, 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 I. She said, yeah, okay, Stacey. All right, Stacey, stop, stop, stop. I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 I wish that, that I could open up your minds and see who all is really listening to me, but I don't really know what's going on inside of you. The text says no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. In like fashion, no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit reveal it to him. So that means that I got to have the Holy Spirit to open up the scriptural text so that I can gain understanding about what God wants to do in my life and what he wants me to know. Are y'all listening to me today? Let's move on down. Verse 12. Come on, let's go. It says what? And we have received God's spirit, not by the word, not the world spirit. We, we have received whose spirit? And not the world spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. 13, let's go. It says what? Uh, when, we, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Because again, guys, remember this. In, in Corinth, uh, you had uh, the best of the best, the brightest of the brightest. Uh, you had philosophers, you had intellectuals there. Uh, it was an economically prosperous region, and you had people from different places, the Greeks who loved to philosophize, who loved to pontificate, to sit around all day just thinking, you know, to be or not to be. That's the question. What is this? Just, 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 just stuff that makes, you, makes your head hurt. 
And so you had all these intellectuals and you had a guy and, and, and some theologians believe that that what Paul was dealing right here was he's when he talks about this, when he says, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Some believe that he was addressing those who had aligned themselves with Apollos because Apollos uh, could, could he was a very eloquent speaker. Apollos could tell it. He, he, he could share. And, and have you ever heard somebody who, who can just speak and you can listen to them for 45 to 50 minutes at a time and they just capture your attention? Apollos was that kind of preacher. And so Paul here, when he writes here, uh, maybe he was addressing those who had aligned himself with Apollos because Paul, Paul was kind of, you know, he was he, 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 he was kind of he, he was rough around the edges when it came to delivering the, the truth of God's word. Now, he was doctrinally sound. And he, Paul cut to the chase. Paul didn't allow you to go on with a, talking a bunch of foolishness. Huh? Paul would just deal with your issue. And how many of y'all know we need some Pauls in the church? And we need some Apollos's and we need some Peters. And we need all kinds. But we definitely don't want everybody just telling you how good you are and exhorting you you can make it. Yes, you need to know that. But you also need to know, come up out of that sin. You also need to know, stop holding around. You also need to know, stop smoking that weed. You also need to know, put that drink down, that purple drink. Put it down. Y'all know what that is. Yeah, I know what it is. Yeah. The Bible says walk circumspectfully. And why? Be, be why? I, I, I got to keep up with going on. Some of y'all, I got to keep up with y'all. Some of y'all. Some of y'all in the stuff that you shouldn't be into. So leave that purple drink alone. You know, Jamarcus Russell, who arguably one of the most physically gifted and talented quarterbacks to ever come through LSU, big dude, six foot five. But 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 guess what? He lost a multi-million dollar contract in the NFL because of the purple drink. Got himself indulged in that stuff, got overweight, wouldn't perform, wouldn't work out during the offseason, and now he's out of the league. Had all that money. Sin took him farther than he wanted to go. Kept him longer than he wanted to stay. Cost him more than he ever wanted to pay. I kind of like that. That, that, that. Yeah, yeah. It did. And I'm telling you, some of you right now are indulged in lifestyle and indulged in stuff that's going to take you farther than what you want to go. It's going to cost you way more than you want to pay. When we tell you these things, he says, we, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we, we speak words given to us by what? By what? The Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain what? Spiritual truths. I don't want to use my words to explain spiritual truths. I want to use Scripture to explain spiritual truths. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. Not what your cousin said from, from the bottoms who told you whatever and, 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 and your cousin said it and your uncle said it and my great, your grandma, my, now listen, thank God for grandmamas, thank God for mamas, but sometimes grandmamas and mamas and daddies and granddaddies miss the word. Just because they're old don't mean that they're speaking spiritual truth. Spiritual truth comes by what? The Holy Spirit using the Spirit's word to explain spiritual truth. Come on, let's go to the end of the chapter. Watch this right quick. Let's, let's go. But people who aren't spiritual. Okay, here we go. Here we are. All right, look at your outline. It says, 
Paul said the Holy Spirit is our divine teacher, right? Watch this. But li- li- listen to me very carefully. So, so some of you have been coming to church, but you ain't getting no understanding. You've been coming to church, and you know what it means to come to church, and you'll do it, but, but what I'm saying is not registering with you. What, what, what I'm teaching is not having impact on your daily living. It's evident because you keep doing the same stuff you've been always doing. Nothing has changed in how you live life, and you come here every week. Why even bother? I'm, I'm seriously. Why, why, why bother coming if what you're hearing will have no impact in what you're doing. Check this out. Watch this. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. Okay. Oh, oh here's the problem. See, see it, when you're not spiritual, what does that mean? What does that look like? Spiritual means that, that I've allowed God's word to transform my mind and not only transform my mind, but transform my heart. He says, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. Watch this. Watch this now. If you've been listening to me, you've been a member of this church, and when I'm preaching, it sounds like foolishness. Here's why. Look at what the text says. Brother Tyrone, watch this. Can we read together, y'all? It says what? But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. Did y'all get that? Let's, Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Verse 15, watch this, watch this. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. Look at verse 16. Watch this now. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things for we have what? We have the mind of Christ. Go to Philippians 2 and 5 right quick. We have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. So so you're not going to understand the spiritual things until you have the mind of Christ. Philippians 2 and 5 right quick. And then we got to jump to the next part. So the Holy Spirit helps understand God's word, helps us to understand God's word. The Holy Spirit helps understand God's word. Philippians 2 and 5, right? It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Let's go to the KJV on Philippians 2 and 5 right quick, okay? And I want to share something with you because we got to realize this. I mean, guys, we can't be really effective in kingdom building processes until we make up in our mind to allow the spirit of God to have complete and total control in our life. And guys, all of us uh, from time to time uh, struggle with yielding our will to the Lord's will. We, we, we want to do it our way. We want to go when we want to go. We want to, we want to, we want to pay when we want to pay. We want to do what we want to do. Look at what it said. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now watch this. Let this mind. You got to allow it. Go, look at the next verse. Watch this. Watch this. It says what? Who being in the form of God thought it not robber to be equal with God. Verse 7. Come on. Uh, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Next verse says what? 
uh, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What it's, what it's saying is Jesus Christ, who was seated on the right hand of the Father, his mindset was that God has a plan for his people, and I'm going to give up my privileges of being seated on the right hand of the Father. I'm going to be born in a manger in Bethlehem. I'm going to go down and then tabernacle down on the earth, go to the cross of Calvary, be crucified, buried, and resurrected so that people can have a relationship with God. I'm going to give up my privileges so that I can, can, can make a way for man to have a relationship with God. So Paul said the Holy Spirit is our divine teacher, right? The Holy Spirit guides us through God's word. Go to 2 Timothy 3. Y'all know this. 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17. Looking at it from the New Living Translation. 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17. Watch this. Corinth was awash in sin of all kinds of stuff that was happening in the culture, and the culture had penetrated the church. And nobody was addressing the issue. We're going to see in the fifth chapter when we get there. I told you before, uh, man having a relationship with his stepmom. We're going to see in the sixth chapter where Christians were suing each other over frivolous stuff. We got to get it right, guys. Because we got to show the world what it looks like when we are walking in line with God's will and loving people unconditionally. Look at the text. It says, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Paul is talking to his young son in the ministry by the name of Timothy. And as Paul talks to Timothy, he's sharing with him. He, Timothy had been brought up in the church. Now, guys, you got to be careful. Being brought up in the church don't mean you're in the church. Hello. I hear people say it all the time. I was raised in the church. That's about all. You were raised like an animal in the church. You raise animals. You rear children. Amen. Just being in the church don't mean that you are being in the physical local church don't mean that you're in the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I promise you, we got people here who look the part, but are not even saved. And some are not even looking the part. We got to make sure that we know what it means to be born again. Look at verse 16. Come on, y'all with me? Let's read. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us, and to make us what? Back up. All scripture is what? And is useful to do what? And to do what? Make us realize what is wrong in our lives. So, so if I'm going to realize what's wrong in my life, I'm going to go to the word of God to see how I line up with that principle. Amen. Amen. I'm going to go to the word of God and find out what does the word of God say about uh, marriage? What does the word of God say about finances? What does the word of God say about how I deal with a person who has hurt me deeply? What does the word of God say about forgiveness? What does it say about work? How I should approach work? What does it say about church life? What does it say about if I got an alt with a brother or sister, what am I supposed to do? Try to kill him? No. Jesus says if you got an alt between you and your brother, go, to, go between you and him alone. If he hears you, you gain your brother or sister. 
Y'all know, y'all know, y'all know the scripture says. If not, take two or three more spiritual brothers and sisters with you. And if it keeps on to be an issue, bring it before the church council and deal with the issue. He says this. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it does what? The word of God will correct us and it'll teach us to do what is right. The Holy Spirit guides us. You won't say, Holy Spirit, show me how to do it. Well, guess what he's going to say? Go to the word. Some of y'all sitting there praying for the Holy Spirit to show you stuff. And God says, I've already shown you. It's in the word. But you won't, you won't even pick that up. When the last time you came to Bible study? When the last time you made the Sunday discipleship training? When's the last time you even picked up your own little prayer journal or, or your own devotional book or your own scripture and had some time when you, you said, God, show me what you want to show me about myself? Been that long? Has it been that long? Really? You know, that's, that's a new thing now. Really? You know, I, I, Tiffany, I learned, really? Oh, uh, I see you. Really? The Holy Spirit is going to guide us through the word of God. Anytime someone comes to you and prophesies or says whatever they got to say and it does not line up with the Holy Scripture, it ain't God. It's not the Holy Spirit. Because God, the Holy Spirit, and his word are one and the same. So the Holy Spirit guides us through God's word. So if, but again, remember, you can't get guidance if you don't ever spend any time in the word. Now coming to hear me on Sunday is cool. But what you going to do beyond that? See, how real are you? I'm, I'm, listen, at some point in time, we got we to get real with God. Or, or as the old folks say, fish, what is it? Uh, fish or cut bait. That means you, you're e either, either you're going to surrender or just come out there and just do what you want to do. Because I promise you, you can't be saved. You can't be truly saved and live any kind of way. I don't know what you call that, but it ain't salvation. Jesus said, not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of God, but he that what doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So you better check yourself, because you could be gone tomorrow. Look at, look at, look at part two, y'all, land. How, how do we, you know, the Corinthian church was indulging this stuff, but transformation begins with the renewing of your mind. Go to Romans 12. And guys, this, this, this is what, what some of, I just, pull this from our, our men's study because I think uh, every time I read this, it, it gives me a, 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 an awesome picture of what it's like to, to begin to transform our thinking. Are y'all still with me? Transformation begins with, renew, with the renewing of your mind. Romans 12. Romans 12. It says, don't copy the behavior and the custom of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Well, what that tells me is that all of us, no matter how good we are, no matter how much, you know, how, how many times we went to church when we were growing up, all of us need to have our thinking change. The text says, 
But let God, if you want to be different than the behavior and the custom of this world, which obviously the scandalous church in Corinth at the time that Paul wrote this letter, they were not being different. They were doing life the way the world did life. And God says, that's not my way. Paul says here in in, in Romans 12, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So look, look, look at it. Your behavior maps out a small road in your brain that creates a basic pathway for your thoughts. And, and, and this develops, guys, this, 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 this way of thinking starts to develop a lot of times where well, it does start developing in our youth. And a lot of times, you know, you know uh, sociologists tell us that, 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 that a, a child's personality bent and stuff can be shaped uh, starting, you know, when they're two years of age, even younger. And they start to, to, to do certain things and begin to think a certain way. And, and so uh, your behavior maps out a, a small road in your brain that creates a basic pathway for your thoughts. And then secondly, as you repeat a particular behavior, your brain builds a bigger highway that allows for an increased volume and frequency of thoughts to move about. So, so as, you, as you continue to do, you repeat that behavior, then you start getting ingrained and, and getting hardened in that way of thinking. And then this results in your day-to-day actions. You, stu- you do stuff the same way over and over again, okay? In order to change your behavior, you must reprogram your brain. Everybody say, I must reprogram my brain. Remember what, what Romans 12 says? God, trans, God, God changes our behavior by doing what? Changing the way, we, the way we think. In order to change your behavior, you must reprogram your brain. You have to deconstruct an existing highway and replace it with a new one. This process takes time. I think I shared it with you before. Uh, I, I still, when I, I, I remember, uh, if you get on 220 heading west towards Shreveport, uh, and how many of y'all have saw that new I-49 interchange, okay? Man, I, I forgot how long it took to build that thing, but it was a number of years, right? Um, and even as they, as they were constructing that thing, they had to tear up some existing highway. Do y'all remember that? They had to go in and pull up. And, and, and grind up all that old concrete, which was there hardened in order to actually get the new stuff built. So that now you can go over those things and just roll through there uh, uh, right away. Uh, I, I remember, um, I, you know, it's, it, it's, I remember going through there quite often when, when the construction was going on. You would often have, have people uh, either not paying attention, they run into something, they back up the whole thing, and 220 would just back up for miles because cons- when construction is going on, sometimes it can be messy. What am I trying to say? When, when you're trying to break up an old way of thinking, an old way of living, it, it, it's going it, to cause for some hardship. Sometimes you got to cut off some people who don't, who don't mean you no good. I think I'll say that one more time. Sometimes you got to cut off people out of your life who, who are causing you to live a disruptive way, who are causing you all kind of heartache and pain. I'm not talking about people who are trying to show you the truth of God's word and you mad at them because of that. 
I'm talking about people who you hang with, who y'all are doing stuff together you know ain't right. And you're not strong enough to resist them. You got to cut them loose. Some of y'all are not strong enough to go back and hang with your drinking buddies. Huh? Yeah, I'm just going to go over there pastor and hang out because I want to witness to him. But listen, you just got saved yesterday. <laughs> Come on, let's give you a little time. Let's, let's get you built up first. Let's get you strengthened so you can go back. See, I believe you can go back, but see, right now you're not ready. Huh? Because first time you go back and you're not ready, you get, a, you get a little whiff of that. Your mind, come on now, you're still trying to deconstruct your old way of thinking. And so now, listen, now you go back over and you start smelling something or, 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 or just, just the taste of something, you know, and then now all of a sudden you're back over there doing the same thing you did before you got saved. Everybody say, cut them loose. Now, now, now again, in time, you, you go back, but right now, you, you, you're not even built up. We got we to reconstruct a different way of thinking. So you have to deconstruct an existing highway and replace it with a new one. This process takes time. Number two, six, the Bible teaches us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind through the power of God's word. Okay? So in time, the result is the formation of an entirely new neurological roadmap, leading you to freedom from the past and to the better life you were meant to live. Now, what that says is, guys, we got to realize that, that there, there, there are some ways of thinking that we, all of us probably have. And all of us, even those who mature in the faith, if you're not, if you're not careful, you, you got some old roads that are still there. Huh? Some old roads that you know, used to go down. Can I, can I talk to you? Some old roads used to pull off the highway. Eric, you laughing at me. What you laughing at? Eric? Some, some, old, some old roads that are still embedded there and, and you haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to touch them yet and if you're not careful, you've been saved a while, you've been praise dancing. I, didn't those ladies do an awesome job today? Come on, get a lot of hand of praise for them. I mean, y'all ministered to me. You, you, you wasn't just performance. And I, I've told you all this before. You got to be careful about performing. But, but even beyond what you did today, what I want to know is, do you really believe it's your winning season? What I want to know is, is what you dancing about, what you living about? That's what I'm going to know. Choir! I want to know, y'all came up here with no, with no, with no uh, chairs, and y'all like y'all were excited, y'all were. <laughs> On this row here, y'all was like y'all were free, pulpit one in your way, you can get over here and just dance. <laughs> but what I don't know is, are you living what you're singing about? Yeah. I'll tell you what I thought about doing. And Rich, really, I, theologically, I would be correct in doing this as your pastoral leader. But I, everybody say, give him more grace, Pastor. Because I don't want to be legalistic either, because if you're doing it because I told you <laughs> and not because you know that's what God wants you to do, and you pursuing God not because there's a rule, but you pursuing God because you love him. Come on, I'll tell you, I'll give you an example all the time. 
I, there can be 15,000 laws on the book to tell me to take care of my children. I don't need any one of those laws to tell me to do that. Because of my love for them, I'm going to take care of them. If I'm only taking care of them, if I'm only not leaving them at home by themselves because I'm afraid that something will happen and, and, and then, then, then uh, uh, social service is going to step in because I left them at home by themselves to, to 2 o'clock in the morning, if that's the only reason why you're not leaving them because of the law, something wrong in here. But, you know, I, I thought about it and I prayed about it. I said, you know, even when it comes to singing, uh, when it comes to dancing, if you don't know what you're dancing about, then all you're doing is performing. Again, I'm not saying that you guys did that, but I'm saying y'all blessed me this morning. But your lifestyle needs to be connected to what you're singing about, what you're preaching about. That's what was happening with the church at Corinth. They were flourishing with spiritual gifts. But nobody was addressing their lifestyle issues. So I, I thought, I said, okay, let's make a rule. If you're not involved in discipleship training, you don't need to be singing or dancing. Hello? Somebody say, Pastor, show me a little grace. Because I try to work with people. But at some point in time, your grace is going to run out. I'm just telling you right now, your grace is going to run out. Your grace is going to run out. How do you come, come to choir rehearsal then skip Sunday school? If you got here at 7 for choir rehearsal, this is, this is my pastoral teacher. I'm your pastor now. I'm a, I ain't your friend. That's the problem. Some of y'all want a friend. I, I need to be your pastor. Amen. Hey, man, pastor, we went, we went to lunch together. Yeah, yeah, but you're wrong. How you come up here for 7 o'clock and sing and practice and leave and, go, and, and, and go, go to McDonald's or do whatever and then miss discipleship training and come back for church? You said, say, that ain't right. You're already here. Okay. Look at y'all at. Look at y'all at. So, so we're gonna, yeah, we, we just tell me, you, you, you don't know when your grace gonna run out. You all are in secret sin, open sin, you don't know when your grace gonna run out. God's been showing you grace and mercy. He hadn't uncovered your stuff. But you don't wanna, you don't, you don't wanna keep moving in that direction if you belong to God. Because at some point in time, if you belong to him whom the Lord loveth, he's going to whip you up behind. Let me put it that way. And when the Lord whip you, it ain't no fun. Because can't nobody whip like the Lord. And see, here's the thing. I, I, I read something. I hope I can find it. See, we think we're so slick sometimes. Hello? Come on. I said, we think we are slick. Let me say it again. Some of us are into things and we think we got it hid and we don't realize that you can't hide from God. 
Everybody say scandalous. The Corinthian church was dealing with some stuff. And God had to deal with them because they belonged to him. Are y'all listening to me? They belong to him. And so when you belong to God, he's got to deal with you. You know, one of, um, one, one, yeah, I, I, I heard a guy say this and I, I read it. He says, one of the gravest mistakes that we make, and you see it all the time, particularly with our politicians, we think that our deception can cover our disobedience. Huh? We think our deception can cover our disobedience. You know what deception is? Lying. Giving a false story, a false image. And we don't realize that, that when you're walking in disobedience, you can be as deceptive as you want to be. At some point in time, you ain't going to remember every lie you told. And then somebody remember the lie you told and now you told something different. And here's the, here's the other part. We think that God is fooled by our stuff and God will let you go on for a little while. But then, then, then at, the, at, the, at the proper time when he says this enough is enough, he's not listening to my preacher. He's not listening to his mom or dad. He's not listening to anybody. He's not listening to his accountability part. So, so since he won't listen to the people I sent to him, I got to deal with him myself. And you don't want God to have to deal with you when he's already sent messengers warning you. Because one day, outline number three, believers will one day face Christ at his judgment seat. That's in the third chapter. I'm not going to go there today, but I want you to go to 2 Samuel, chapter number 11. This is one of the most famous, uh, probably moral failures that we saw in the Bible. You know, David started out right. 2 Samuel 11, chapter verse number one. As a young man, David was, David was off to an incredible start, guys. But somewhere in his 40s, David got shipwrecked. You know, somewhere in his 40s. And, and I think, guys, just, just as, as I think about that, he started out right, but in his 40s, he shipwrecked. Isn't it, isn't it kind of odd that seems to be, y'all have heard of, you know, uh, a lot of men in their 40s shipwrecked. A lot of men in their 40s want to get a convertible now. A lot of men in their 40s still trying to show that they're 25. David started out right. But something happened. He shipwrecked. Look, look at this text. It says, it says, in the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind where? The text says he should have been going out to war. Everybody say wrong place. Wrong time. How many of y'all ever, I, I just need to see one hand raised. 
Have you ever found yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time before? Anybody, anybody out there? Wrong place, wrong time, something jumped off. Huh? Verse 2, come on, let's go. Says what? Late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Look at the text. Verse 3 says what? He sent someone. He, 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 okay, first of all, you, 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 where you are, you're in a place you shouldn't be. Because at the time you should be going to war, you back at home. And now you see something that had you been at war, you wouldn't have saw. I've said it before and I've said it again. If the devil has to, he'll take 15 years to set your butt up. He's very patient. He'll, he'll, take, he'll take 15 years just to set you up. Everybody say set up. He's good at that, y'all. He's good at that. Watch this. He says, uh, he sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Beth Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Everybody say, wife of. wife of. All right, watch this, watch this. Then David sent messengers to get her. And when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home. Now again, under Old Covenant, under Judaism, when a woman was on a menstrual cycle, she was considered ceremonially unclean. And so, so after that had taken place, uh, she had just completed her purification rite, and so now, she, then she returned home. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's read. It says what? Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. Now watch this. Here's what I got to share with you. And I think I've shared this before. David, this fall didn't just start here. And I, I discovered that, that, that rarely, um, I want to say rarely, I mean, in a lot of cases, the fall happened before the actual event, the actual do, deed that was done. Are y'all with me? And when you look at David, again, he started out right. Uh, but, but there were some, some, some little issues that David had. Uh, and just like uh, y'all heard of the Titanic, right? The shipwreck. Uh, the, the, the famous ship that, that when that Titanic ship was built. How many of y'all saw the movie, by the way? Okay. Uh, the, the, the people who built it were of such an arrogant nature. They called it, they even, some of them even called it the ship that even God can't sink. But you all that, that, that are history buff, if you read that, that ship was, I think, commissioned back in 1912 for its maiden voyage. And when it left uh, the, the, the port, it only had, I think, uh, for, for 2,200 passengers, it only had 25 lifeboats. Because after all, it ain't going to sink. It's a ship that God can't sink. And if you read the story, they kept getting warnings after warnings about icebergs that were on the pathway where this ship was designed to go. And I challenge you to go look at it because as I was reading that, it was very interesting how, how people will ignore warnings because they're busy doing this. You know, I ain't got, Pastor, I ain't got time to come to a Bible study. 
Pastor, I know you said this about this, but you know, uh, this, this man here, he different than the other man. How he different than all the 15 other you had? Is he saved? Is he involved in ministry? Does he know the Lord? I'm not going to ask you, do he go to church? Because a lot of people go to church. But I'm going to know, does he have a, a, a faith walk? So David, so, so David, like the, David, like the Titanic, had warnings. As a matter of fact, uh, hold your place there. I'm about to run out of time. Go to Deuteronomy right quick. 17, verse 14 through 17. See, a lot of times when stuff happens, we see it when it happens publicly. But we don't realize that there was stuff that happened before it ever became public. Before it bust out in the open, there was some, there was some stuff that was going on in David's life that set him up for this. Deuteronomy 17, verse number 14. It says, you're about to enter the land the Lord your God has given you. When you take it over and settle there, you may think we should select the king to rule over us like the other nations around us. Next verse says what? If this happens, be sure to select as king the man the Lord your God chooses. You must appoint a fellow Israelite. He may not be a foreigner. Next verse says what? The king must not build up, watch this, the king must not build up a large stable of horses for himself or send his people to Egypt to buy horses. For the Lord has told you, you must never return to Egypt. 17, the king must not take many wives for himself because they will turn his heart away from the Lord and he must not accumulate large amounts of wealth in silver and gold for himself. Now, now track this with me right quick. And there's a lesson in this, okay? Because he, he told them, as they get ready to go into the promised land. One of the reasons why he wanted them to go buy many horses is because, you know, horses were used in warfare. And what God did not want them to do is to start trusting in their numbers and their ability to overcome the enemy. He says, don't, don't, go, don't, don't, don't go and buy a lot of horses. And David followed that when he came to the throne. He didn't go, you know, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't violate that. But one thing he did violate he even got those, yeah, there you go, Jerry. He went and got some multiple wives. And God had told him, that's not, that's not you. Because in the land you're going with, kings there, you know, they had four or five wives. So David's problem was, even before he got to Bathsheba was, he disobeyed God's command by taking on multiple wives. He was a polygamist. Poly means many. Okay? He was a polygamist. And so as a result, his, his fall with Bathsheba didn't just start when he saw on the rooftop. It started with this area of, di of, 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 of flagrant disobedience. You think the problem was that, but really it was something else that set you up for that. So y'all know the story how, how even David, he tried to use deception to do what? To cover his disobedience. Brought the man home. From the battlefield. So Uriah, come on from the battlefield. Go, go, go sleep with your wife. He's trying to cover the fact that she's pregnant. It's the king. God's chosen one who failed. And he tried to use deception to cover it. The man was so honorable, guys. That he, he, he said, listen, I can't go sleep with my wife. And I got men out there on the battlefield who can't come home and sleep with their wives. I ain't going to do it. I'm just paraphrasing. 
I, he didn't say I ain't going to do it. He said a little bit more eloquent than that. But you get the gist. So that didn't work. So what do you think David did? David tried to get him drunk. Try to get him drunk and send him home. Surely he'll go home drunk and sleep with his wife. Guess what? Wouldn't do it. Deception to cover the disobedience. Then when that wouldn't work, what did he do? He sent him with orders to take this to the commander. And as I heard one guy said, he was carrying his own death sentence and didn't even know it. King sealed it. How many of y'all would have looked at that? Long way to get back to the battlefield. How many of y'all would have been nosy enough? Hold up to the light. I know some of y'all. Or you get a little, little letter open and kind of slightly chisel it open and then glue it back together. Uriah was an honorable man. And he did not look at the orders. The orders that told the commander to put him at the front of the battle. What was David doing? David had a man killed to cover his sin. But how many of you know the story? You can't hide your mess from God. God sent a prophet by the name of, come on Bible studies, Nathan, and told him a parable. And David got so indignant about this rich man who had many sheep, but there was one man who had a prize sheep that, that, that the rich man had a guest. The rich man, instead of killing one of his many sheep, went and took the sheep from the poor man and slaughtered it and fed his guest. And David said, that man ought to be killed. Guess what God prophet told him? You the man. That's your mess. And you're going to own it too. David, although he repented, he said, created me a clean heart, oh God. But David's family was messed up to the day he died. And some of y'all right now in sin, doing stuff that's messing your family up and it's going to mess them up for generations. You think you can do this stuff and your kids not know what you're doing? Some of y'all adults right now are still dealing with issues because of what you saw coming up. You saw physical abuse. You saw adultery. You saw mom and dad not make it. You saw cussing, fussing. And now you ain't even right now. You're 40 years old. Insecure. Can't deal with stuff. Guys, I'm telling you now. God holds us accountable for how we live this life. David did something and there was turmoil in his family as a result of the sin that he committed. And what God is saying, some of us right now got sin in our family, sin in our life that we are not even trying to correct and we messing our children up, we messing people up who we're in relationship with and you don't know what kind of damage that's going to cause years down the line. David's situation is similar to the mindset of those in Corinth. It was scandalous. But I got news for you. And we get, we're going to keep moving because there is hope for the church of Corinth. We're going to see that the church of Corinth turned it around. And I don't care where you are right now. I don't care what you're dealing with. I don't care what you've done. God says it's not too late to turn it around. Amen. It's not too late, amen, to repent 
It's not too late to get your business fixed. It's not too late to get back in the right standing with God. I got to stop and we'll pick up on next week. Come on, get the Lord a hand of praise. Father, we thank you.